morning, 10 minutes after this message, family experience. You'll get the opportunity with your children who are in Upstreet to find out what the value of the month is all about. It is joy. And uh, you're just going to have a blast seeing what God is doing in the life of our kids. Knowing that this was Thanksgiving weekend and a lot more people come home, you knew Wednesday was the busiest travel day of the year, right? And uh, we had the opportunity to beat the storm and get out to Ohio. But knowing this was Thanksgiving weekend and knowing it was an opportunity for family and friends to come back, I asked the Lord a few weeks ago, what is it on this one Sunday you want me to share? And I really felt like taking the opportunity to talk to you about praise and adoration, about an attitude of the heart, that Thanksgiving's more than an event. This particular service is more than just simply a standalone experience. It's an opportunity for the children of God to gather together and praise Him in an amazing way. And I wanted to share that with you today. Any of you grew up in the 60s? Four of you. Oh, a few of you remember those days? I know, it's kind of hard to remember. I mean, when you calculate in your mind how far back that is, it really does blow you away. 60s were an opportunity for everybody to express themselves. But it also was an opportunity for a lot of people to ask a lot of questions. I mean, we had bell bottoms and flower children and leisure suits, some of which I am so glad are gone. But you had people running all over the place asking themselves some questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Now, some of them still haven't answered those questions. But they were legitimate questions. 80s, the church went through a similar process trying to understand somewhere in the 70s and the 80s about who we are and what we're all about. A lot of churches were dying and literally hadn't received a visitor in years. Sitting around singing Kumbaya, Adol Jesus come, but not really anticipating anything of significance to happen in their search. A lot of people began to write vision statements and mission statements to try to discern what we're all about. Why are we here? Great exercises. Some decided to quit playing church to really get serious about what God is doing and what we expect from Him and what we want Him to do and why we're gathered together. The Seeker Church was taking off in those days and as people began to get really serious about reaching people for Christ and doing everything we could in the context of the service to try to expose them to a church that wasn't cold and stuffy but was really alive and vibrant. They had a gospel message that was relevant to today, not just something of days gone by, but really relevant to today. One of the greatest things about that experience in all of that 20, 30 years of church growth maneuvering was to really help us understand and define what we're all about. To really get a grasp on who we are and why we're here and the main reason that God put us on this planet. God made us in His image and He made us to give Him glory and honor and tell the world about His grace. And every weekend, you and I have the corporate opportunity to do that on a regular basis. Hopefully throughout the week, you do that in other contexts. But every particular weekend, you and I get the privilege and the thrill of coming together as a family of God and joining together with saints around the globe to give God praise and glory and adoration, to really fully understand why we're here and what it is that we've come to do. God created us to have a relationship with Him, and out of that relationship comes praise, worship, and adoration in response to who he is and in response to what he has done. Webster Dictionary says worship means to adore, to esteem worthy. Biblical worship is both an attitude and an act. Jesus met a woman at the well in John chapter 4 who was desperately looking for something to fill the hole in her soul. 
classic example of looking for love in all the wrong places and assuming it was somehow in relationships, only finding herself still empty. And Jesus said, what I'm going to offer you is going to satisfy your soul, not just your heart, not just your emotions, not just that void, but literally satisfy your soul. He said, there's going to come a day when my people will understand that so much that they're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. The heart, as well as the outside, is going to express what it is that God has done. True worship expresses both. It's an opportunity for the spirit to connect with my visual understanding of what it is that God has done, what I understand about him and what I see in his redemptive work through Christ. Jesus condemned worship that was only lip service, that was just going through the motions, singing the words, but not really anything connecting with it. Nothing from the heart. When the Apostle Paul talked about worship, he talked about a number of things. Singing of hymns, psalms, spiritual songs, prayer, giving, reading and teaching the Word of God. Most of the time we call this experience the worship service. We worship the Lord with our singing, with our giving, with our prayers, with proclaiming His Word, with obedience to what we have received and heard, and in celebration of His grace. Not everyone sees it that way. Some see it as just that Sunday morning thing that I do, and others see it as an obligation. Jesus said, I, I, I want those who really follow me to understand that it comes from the depth of your soul. An opportunity to really give praise and adoration to the God of the universe. Who's given everything so that we can have life and have it forever. When you and I come to this celebration, we sometimes see worship as just singing. It's so much more than that. One of the avenues of worship is one of the parts of the worship service, but it's so much more than that. When we see the word praise or hear the word praise, we think of one word and we see it as one word. But to the Hebrew mind, there were a number of concepts that went with that, each denoting a certain type of praise or a certain aspect of praise. One meant to praise the Lord by bowing down before him. For those who grew up in Catholicism, they did that really well. They really did understand what it meant, maybe not everyone, but they really did understand what it meant to come into the presence of God and literally bow before him. In Hebrew, the word worship meant to be on your face before God. Another means to praise the Lord with hand motions or the lifting of the hands. Giving thanks refers to an extension of the hands. That's the one I use the most. I don't clap well. Most of the time it hurts my ear. And most of the time I'm not usually in good rhythm anyhow. All of you are. <laughs> But I'm usually not. But my favorite literally is that. My expression toward God. I lift up my hands toward heaven. I visualize seeing beyond the lights and seeing beyond the experience and seeing beyond the ceiling to be in the presence of Almighty God. And I just want to lift my head and I want to lift my hands. Another phrase means to praise Him with a processional choir. Ever get a chance to go to an African-American church, you ought to take advantage of that. And if you ever get a chance to go to Africa and watch them sing, you better hold on to your hat. Because I'm telling you, they know how to praise. And they do it with a processional choir. They sing and they move. Every part of their being is involved in the experience. They fully understand what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to take every avenue of that heart, soul, mind, and strength and give Him praise. And they're so connected with what it is that they're doing and they're so expressive in being able to share that. 
Another phrase meant to dance before the Lord. David in 2 Samuel chapter 6, when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back into Jerusalem, man, he just let it all out. He wanted so bad to see that take place and so wanted to experience that moment when the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God came back into Jerusalem that he gave it everything he had. Another meant to praise him with the instruments. When David writes Psalm 150, he comes with that thought in mind. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him with a trumpet, with the harp, with the lyre, with a timbre, with dancing, with strings, with pipe, with clashing of cymbals, with resounding cymbals. Let every single thing that has breath give praise to God. Another phrase meant to praise him with sustained singing. Singing from the spirit, not from a, a book or on the screen, but from deep within the soul. What you notice about all of those is every single one of them are action phrases. None of them are passive. None of them are without feeling, without emotion. All of them involve my response in some way physically to what it is that I understand about what God has done. There's a pattern as you study the Old Testament. When God is pleased with his people, he instructs them to shout and to play instruments and to give him praise. It's only when God is angry with them that he tells them to sit down and be quiet. One of the calls to worship I grew up with was this. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. That's what we learned to do, and we had that down pat. We were silent. We were reverent. That's what God wanted, we were told. Funny, that's not what he says he wants. What he says he wants is praise and adoration from the depth of my being, with every instrument on the planet, with every fiber of your being, to give him praise. When you talk about praise, you're talking about not only an activity, but also an attitude. It's something that you observe, something that is seen, something that's visible. When you think of Thanksgiving, there are a number of images that come to your mind. Sitting at a table with your family, turkey and stuffing and every trimming you can imagine underneath that or around that. Pumpkin pie, every kind of pie on a planet, football game, all the activities that come with that. And those are wonderful things, but you know and I knew that Thanksgiving is more than an event, more than just a day. It is an attitude. The Apostle Paul and the psalmist David saw it as an expression of the heart, something that I just couldn't wait to, to share. Terry Wardle in his book Exalt Him said, The quality of our expression of praise represents the depth and intensity of our worship and devotion. Corporate worship experience is an act of adoration in which God's people seek to please him, to give him praise, to give him honor, to glorify his name. Paul said in Romans, to be really honest with you, I beg you, I plead with you to fully understand what that looks like. In light of everything you've seen God do, in light of all the mercies of God, I plead with you, I beg you, to offer yourself as Living sacrifice is holy and pleasable, pleasing to God. That is your true response to what he's done. David not only talks about what I do when I'm here in God's presence, he also talks about my attitude when I come. Psalm 100, he said, come before him with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with praise. Come before him with joyful songs. He also talks about my attitude when I leave because he says, serve him with gladness. It is a heart so full of God that it needs a place to express it. Just needed a place to share it. You ever notice a grandparent 
when you ask them about their grandchildren, how excited they get. You want to see some pictures? You want to know about my grandkids? You know I have grandkids, right? Matter of fact, I go into the office almost every week after new pictures of my grandkids were with them, saying, Missy, don't you want to see the pictures of my grandkids? Whether she does or not, I really don't care. I just show them to her anyhow. And I walk around with the iPad saying, want to see the new picture of my grandkids? You don't have to beg me to do that. You don't have to ask me to do that. Matter of fact, I don't even know if you answered the question yet when I say, do you want to see the pictures of my grandkids? I was so tempted this morning to have them flashing on the screen during this moment. And I thought, my grandkids get up there all the time, but they're really cute. They're really wonderful kids. And and I can't wait to tell you about them. No grandparent who had, now we may have done that about our kids, but no grandparent who has grandkids said, yeah, they're okay. They're all right, yeah. Kind of wish they'd not come by so often. We may have said that about our kids when they keep coming home at 25 and 30 years old, but we never say that about our grandkids. You just want to spend time with them. You want to be around them. Thanks and praise are just an opportunity for me to express to God how delighted I am with who he is and what he's done. Praise flows out of a relationship with a person of God. A.W. Tozer said the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God and the church is famishing for one of his presence. The instant cure for most of our religious ills would be to really understand what it means to come into the presence of God. To be fully aware that I am in God and he is in me. And for those of us on this side of Calvary, it just amazes me and the sovereignty of God, how all of us in this setting here are obviously born on this side of Calvary and in the New Testament era and beyond. I mean, in the Old Testament, they had to go find that place. They went into the presence of God. God dwelled in that tabernacle. Now in the New Testament experience, he dwells with us. He comes with us. He goes with us. You don't have to invite him into this place. He dwells in the praise of his people. He dwells in the presence of his people. You and I have so much more to be thankful for and so much more to be in gratitude of because of what we've seen and fully understood. In Psalm 95, David said, I want to sing with joy. I want to shout to the rock of my salvation. I want to come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. I want to bow before him in worship. I want to kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Again in Psalm 100, come before him with praise. Shout shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship him with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise to his name. Can you imagine what it was like to go to church with David? (laughs) Can you imagine what it was like to sit in the pew with David? I mean, I I got to doubt that the guy could sit still. And I got to believe that he's going to stand, he's going to praise, he's going to express it, he's going to raise his hands, he's going to sing with celebration. There is no way you couldn't tell what was going on in David's life when it came to the experience of being in the presence of God. You saw it, not only on his face, you saw it in his expression, you saw it in his hand movements, you saw it in what he understood about what God had done. And he couldn't wait to get into that opportunity where he could give him praise. I know you know this. But we live in a three-dimensional world. But not everybody seems to know that. There are a lot of people that, in a sense, seem to live in a one-dimensional world. They don't see the thing going on around them. All they see is that straight line of life up ahead. Get my goals accomplished, finish my day. Some of them even come to worship like that. Go to church, do my thing for God, sing a song, put money in the plate, and go home. 
Now, the two-dimensional people see the larger picture. They really understand and recognize what's going on around them. Christians in that two-dimensional world, they pray for one another. They share their burdens with each other. They sing songs. They give to missions and to the church. But if that's all they know, there's still something missing. You see, for them, there's still no up. Up is enlarging and refreshing. It's limitless and beautiful. It's beyond committees, meetings, and agenda. Up has thrones and beauty and power and strength. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 said, I, I went to church. It was a bad time. King Uzziah had just died. And I wanted to do what I always had done. I just want to go to church. And so he said, I did that. I, I went to church. I thought I was doing church as usual. I got into that place and all of a sudden I realized it was so much more than that. I saw God high and lifted up with angels around his throne. I saw fire and lightning and thunder, everything going on around that. I had to find myself on my face before God because it wasn't church as usual. It wasn't just going through the motions. It wasn't just singing a song. It wasn't just a Sunday experience. It was so much more than that. When you fully understand that there's so much more than just simply a two-dimensional or one-dimensional world that up gives meaning and perspective to everything else around me. Suppose a little boy looks through a knothole in a fence to see a parade. If he sees a clown pass by, he laughs. If he sees a lion, he's afraid. If there's a space in between, he may think the parade is over. And if someone blocks his view, he may think there's no parade at all. But what if someone picked him up and put him on his shoulders above the fence? Up there, he sees a part of the parade. And if he's even higher, he sees the whole parade at once. A lot of times we worship somehow through that knothole. We come to the worship service and we only see what's going on around us. Who's there? Who's not? Whether we like the music or don't, whether it's too fast or too slow, what are we doing this week? What are we doing today? Will I ever get my Christmas shopping done? But there's no up. Those in genuine worship never focus on themselves. They fully understand why they've come to worship. You see, when laborers focus on themselves, we can get strikes. And spouses focus on themselves, we get divorce. And when children focus on themselves, we get disobedience. And when citizens focus on themselves, we get crime. And when churches focus on themselves, we get bored. Ineffective and carnal. But when we experience true worship and totally focus on God, everything else falls into line around that. How you and I leave and how we experience it may depend on our preparation and our participation. We set the table, figuratively and literally. How full you are may depend on your appetite, and it may depend on how much you partake in it. Max Licato, in his book, Just Like Jesus, compares a worship service to a plane ride. A lot of people are content if the plane takes off, flies straight, and lands okay. Nice flight, we say to the stewardess. Nice service, we say to the pastor. But then there's that little boy. He wants to see the pilot. And when he finally sees the pilot, he's in awe. And you can see it on his face. Praise is acknowledging God for who he is, thanksgiving, a gratitude for what he has done. That's why David said, I, I can't wait to come into God's presence and to give him praise. Most of what you and I have enjoyed, enjoy, and certainly enjoyed this week, whether you were two people or 20, much of the rest of the world can only dream about, right? Life, freedom, family, friends. 
For those of us who are followers of Christ, the list is unbelievably long. We had no hope, but God took us in. We were sinners destined to die in that sin. Paul said we were as worse as you can imagine, without absolutely any hope on this planet. But then God offered a salvation through Christ. And when I received that salvation, I get my past washed away. I get the opportunity to start all over again. I get a God who loves me and cares about me, who feeds me, who dresses me up, feeds me from his table, doesn't leave me like some of you sitting at the kids' table on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving Day. He invites us to his table, his very table with the king of the universe. And not only says it's nice to have you with some of my friends, it's nice to have you as my child. It's nice to have you as my son, as my daughter. You and I have forgiveness, a father, a family, and a future. We have redemptive grace, constant care, overwhelming love, and a promise to never leave us and never forsake us, even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will always, he says, be there. We've been delivered from the law, delivered from the power of evil, a member of his kingdom. We're adopted into his family. We have access to God at any moment. We will never be abandoned, and we have an unbelievable future. We're a member of his body, a branch in the vine, a stone in the building, a bride for the groom, and a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. We possess, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, every spiritual blessing in this heavenly world. So how do you respond to that? What do you say to that? How do you react to that? You do it in praise, adoration, with every fiber of your being. This morning, we're going to share communion. It's an opportunity for us to remember visibly what God did. We know it. We know the story. We understand what Christmas is all about. We understand the resurrection and Easter celebration. But every so often at Community Alliance Church, we have an opportunity just to stop and reflect, to take these two elements here, which are a very simple piece of bread, a cup of grape juice. And in those moments, we're reminded of what God did and what he has done. We're reminded of his grace and his love. We see John 3.16. You see that every single football game, you wonder if anybody really understands what they just saw. And then all of a sudden, you come to this moment and you see John 3.16 come to life. God so loved you and me that he gave his one and only son so that we could have life forever. So what we're going to do this morning is in a moment, Justin's going to lead us in just some songs, some old hymns. About midway through that, he's going to pause and going to ask you to praise God out loud. Matter of fact, we're going to ask you to praise God out loud all at the same time. He can sort it out, you know. But we want you to do it out loud. We come and participate in worship and we come to participate in singing and giving. We all do that and, and we sing with our voices. We want you to praise him with your voice in prayer. Simple phrase. God, I thank you for, I thank you for. All at the same time. Do it out loud so everybody just participating. The ushers or the communion stores are going to come somewhere about blessed assurance. Just get up wherever you are and come and start to serve. And then everybody's going to partake of it. I'll lead you and then we're going to celebrate at the end. I was at the first service. It's awesome. What you'll notice here if you're visiting us today is that the, the bread and the cup are in the same tray you're not familiar with us, 
We want to make sure you understand that so you help the person beside you so that you can take them both at the same time. We only serve it through once. The only requirement is that you know Christ is your Savior. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church, but a member of the family of God. That at some point in your life that you confessed your sins and you opened up your life and you let Jesus come in and you gave him the keys to your life and you said, here, you run it. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you really understand that. If you've not done that, you can do it right where you are. Part of what we say. Confess your sins, invite him into your life and say, Lord, I'm not doing too well on my own. Boy, I want to give my life to you. And we'll help you in that journey and we'll help you grow in your relationship with God. Talk more about that next Sunday. But this is a great, great way to celebrate. It's an attitude of gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. The way to finish Thanksgiving weekend and the way to finish the celebration of communion. Thank you so much for being here today. Family experience, 10 minutes after this experience in the Kids Stuff Theater, you'll learn the value of the week or the month so that you can celebrate with your kids. Congregation will meet next Sunday morning. Take a report back with you. If there's any questions, please let us know. I trust you have a phenomenal day. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here this morning. I want to get back to the door to greet you all. God bless you. Have a great day.